Hey, welcome to Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Schaffer, and today we're going to be talking with Jacqueline Leffler from Leffler Farms about her operation, some of the challenges throughout planting season, and what it's like to star on the documentary series of Farmer's Journey. It's going to be a good one. Stay tuned. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, how about uh, how about you give us a little introduction? Tell us where you're from. What do you do? Uh, all, all, all the fun things here. Yeah, so I'm Jacqueline Leffler, and I'm a fourth generation uh, farm and rancher in East Central Kansas. Americus is my hometown, and I farm alongside my dad, Bill, every day. And um, yeah, we, uh, we grow corn, soybeans, and wheat on our operation. And then on the cattle side of things, um, we're backgrounding cattle and then feeding them up to around 900 pounds and then sending them um, to become fat cattle. And then we either sell those to the local packers or um, I sell direct to consumer through my value-added business, Leffler Prime Performance. So between all of that, the two of us stay pretty busy. Wow. So not only raising the beef, but also then have your own business where you sell beef. How, how'd, you, how'd you get into that? Yeah. So growing up as a kid, my sister and I, uh, we showed steers and 4-H like most farm kids do. And we always had a few extras and sold those to friends and family. And so when I came home to the farm full time, I thought, why am I still not doing this? People still want those animals. And so in 2015, I kind of made it a, a full side hustle. Um, and then during COVID, it pretty much exploded. I went from roughly 20 head a year to 170 and 20 customers wow. to selling to over a thousand people to date. So it's been really good, a lot of fun, and um, it's fun to feed your community. So I really enjoy it. You know, it's funny we uh, we we eat uh, freezer beef here and uh, and also pork and whatnot. And I have uh, have a couple farmers uh, from around here that I get uh, source my local beef from. So uh, if if I was closer, I'd be reaching out. You know, that's awesome. I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you got a lot on your plate then. I mean, as far as for our crops, uh, running a, a business, and also, I mean, just cattle in general, I know can take up a lot of time. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you fit all that in? Uh, just time management. Uh, I was a college athlete at Kansas State University, and I think if, if the one value I learned in college, it was time management and making sure I could be as efficient as I could with what I had. And um, I think that's definitely carried on into adulthood and and something I try really hard. So um, I have a paper calendar, a calendar in my phone, and and then I make sure I tell one or two people if it's really important to make sure I don't miss something. So um, that's kind of been my structure and how I try to get things done as as well and as efficient as possible. You know, I I try living by my calendar, but I'm the same way. I always tell people, you know, feel free to give me that that friendly uh, nudge over text or something of that nature. You know, that's uh, that, that that's okay in my book. Absolutely, never never hurts to have somebody check in on you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, hey, I saw an article the other day in uh, Successful Farming, and uh, it kind of seems like you may have uh, have a few wet holes that uh, that you're kind of working through here this year. Tell us a little bit about just some of the, you know, how did this spring go? What are some of maybe some of these ongoing weather issues that, uh, that, that you've kind of seen? Yeah, so we actually came out of winter um, extremely dry and we're in the Flint Hills of Kansas. So 
Um, that means we burn all of our pasture land almost every year or every other year. And we were so dry, we were actually kind of scared to burn. Um, we ended up getting the rain. And so almost us and all of our neighbors ended up burning. Um, and so we felt pretty good um, kind of going into grass season with the cattle, um, but was still a little skeptical if we had any, you know, sub moisture there. And um, once we had that thought, it never stopped raining. And so we, uh, we do have all of our corn in the ground, um, but soybeans is another story. We're about 20% done and Typically, we would have been done for almost a month now. So oh, everything wow. is uh, kind of rolling on top of each other. Our wheat will be ready to harvest in less than a week, I assume. We got the hay swather out yesterday, um, and hopefully we'll jump back in the field today is the goal as soon as I hop off of this call. So we got another shot of rain coming in um, late Wednesday, so about a day and a half from now is when it's scheduled to come. So we're going to try to hammer out some acres and hope it was the right call. Wow. Wow. That's uh, That sounds like a lot going on in a very short amount of time then. Yeah. It always seems to come at once. You know, as far as for, you know, like, as you know, you talked about, you know, possibly some replant, things of that nature. Step us through on 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 how your operation kind of starts making some of those choices as, as you're, you know, out in the field, maybe walking through there and trying to figure out, hey, is it is it worth going back in and replant or not? Yeah, so most of our corn that drowned it out um, with some of the wet holes is actually a couple of silage fields that we'll use as cattle feed. Um, the yield and the tonnage is still important, obviously, but it wasn't worth dragging the planter back through good areas to get to those poor areas after walking the field. And um, we do use an agronomist that has a drone, and so they, they fly some of the tougher to get to areas. Um, and some of those areas just haven't even been dry enough to get to. Um, to assess. So we've been just trying to figure it out, kind of playing day by day and seeing what's going to happen. But right now, I, I think we probably have some soybeans that will probably need to be replanted as well. Um, but like I said, some of those fields we can't even get to yet. So we're just focusing on what we can do and, and trying to get it done when we can. Well, I, I know another, uh, you know, another a piece that uh, that all operations have had to really, you know, kind of kind of put a lot of focus on this year is is around rising input cost. Um, how, how how's your operation, you know, really approached this year in regards to input cost and maybe optimizing different pieces uh, around the operation? Yeah, so I've been really fortunate. Um, I come from, I guess, generations before me that have always been extremely proactive and super involved within the industry. And so as soon as we were hearing that there could be some higher input costs and um, we started to lock things in early. We locked a lot of our fertilizer and chemical in back in October of 2021. And so we're actually sitting pretty decent on input costs. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the chemical that we sprayed early with all of these rains are starting to break and have some escapes. So uh, we're going to go back in and do a little bit of tillage before we plant the remaining acres to try to get it back down to one pass of chemical. But it's not this year that I'm scared of on the inputs. It's next year. I, I think, you know, we're, we're sitting good. We know where our bottom lines are going to be this year. Um, and so we're more concerned about next year and trying to figure out what that's going to look like and when and if we should lock anything in. Yeah. 
No, those are those are uh, you know interesting decisions. I know uh, Dad and I have had those uh, similar conversations on when do you, when should you prepay? Uh, you know, when do you start trying to lock different uh, different inputs in? Um, I know I've talked to a few folks that are talking about uh, you know trying to stock up on things like fuel, right, and uh, and understanding farm on farm storage. Uh, but uh, these are those are always the the interesting decisions that you got to make. You know, I mean, and uh, especially in a year like like this year. So. Absolutely. And I think it comes down to, to the networks that you've built over time and utilizing those resources. And and that's what we've kind of done. We were making phone calls to people that we do business with consistently and people that we don't. Um, we were just really trying to utilize that network of people to try to get a feel for what was going on. I don't think anybody really knew, um, but it made you feel a little better knowing that not everybody knew what was going to happen or what is going on. And um, so we were able to lock in our fuel as well, uh, um, locked in some interest rates and stuff. Frontier Farm Credit had a, a program where you could lock in your interest rate for the year. And so we did some things there too. And so just trying to be overly um, aggressive and proactive and making sure that this 8.6% that they're saying um, doesn't come back to bite us. They're saying this is the highest it's been in four decades or so. And that's kind of crazy because I'm only 32. So I didn't get to see the 80s or live through it. I've just heard the stories. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, and those were interesting stories to say the least. I know uh, dad's talked about variable rate interest rates and uh, yeah, not, uh, not something we'd like to see again on, on some of those for, uh, for how much, how, how high those things spike. So well, I know, uh, you know, I mean, we've talked a lot about your operation uh, and you have a lot of things going on, but you actually have a lot of other aspects here that uh, that you work with as well. I know that uh, you have a lot of uh, uh, leadership aspects, uh, especially like around uh, within your community. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I got involved with Kansas Farm Bureau in 2017 and jumped into their leadership KFB program, which is kind of their statewide um, get to know agriculture outside of your own farm. And so we toured a bunch of different operations, um, ag-minded industry um, type businesses. And then we also just worked on some personal development. And so I got into that class and was fortunate enough to be mentored by Jill Caston, um, who's since passed away. And um, she really just kind of poured into me as not only a farmer and rancher, but as a person. And uh, I get to see her legacy kind of live through that class that went through that with her, which has been pretty special. And so that kind of rolled into the the next thing that I did in 2021. Um, I actually did a class that was named in her honor, Caston Fellows, um, which is the more advanced leadership program that Kansas Farm Bureau rolled out. And so I was in the first cohort of that, along with a few other people that were in that class with me in 2017. And uh, pretty special to, to get to be a part of that first class and um, dive deep into global issues. And then we actually ended up in the Baltics in August. Um, so Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, and then we went to Finland. Um, and so obviously now everybody knows about the war in Ukraine, but we were kind of right there where all of that was starting and happening and um, pretty, pretty crazy to make some of those relationships. And now I get to talk to those people, um, specifically one of the guys that I met in Latvia, um, getting to talk to him on a weekly basis, follow each other's social media and see what's happening in each other's world. 
Um, so kind of just an odd timing thing, a trip that we didn't think was going to get to happen due to COVID, but uh, super grateful for the opportunity and getting to see agriculture on a broader scale and a global scale. Wow. You know, one, one of the things that, uh, that I always look at is that, that I find just absolutely fascinating, you know, you, you talk about being connected to farmers halfway around the world, right? You had this opportunity, but not only do you get to meet them on that trip, but now you get to keep in touch with them. And, uh, and it wasn't too long ago that uh, trying to keep touch, in touch with somebody halfway across the world was not the easiest task, right? Um, and now we have these amazing tools with social media. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel social media has really come into play for how you work with, you know, not only farmers halfway around the world, but even building up a, a local community? Yeah, so, you know, I think social media pretty well makes the world endless, you know, it's it's one of those things that there's there's no cap to it. You can utilize it as far as you want to, um, or at least I'm not smart enough to find the cap of it, at least. And so um, I use it just from every day, keeping in touch with uh, friends to keeping up on the markets to keeping up on headline news. Um, you know, we live in a world that's so hypersensitive. It's to headlines that it's pretty nice to be able to pick up your phone and see you know, maybe what headline is causing the markets to do this or that. And, um, but then I also utilize uh, Facebook probably the most for about 95% of my marketing for my beef. And so um, oh, wow. then those people are, are following my page. I'm showing what agriculture looks like on a weekly basis on our farm. They're getting to see that whole cycle of whether it's the crops we're growing to feed to, or, you know, to the beef that they're actually going to consume. And so um, when I lack and don't post, people are bugging me and they're saying, what are you guys doing? What's it look like right now? You know, how would this storm that just went through this weekend affect you guys? And so people truly do have a genuine interest. And so uh, social media has kind of just allowed me to put them in my world for a little bit of the day every day. That is, yeah, that is, that is just so cool. Like I said, that, uh, just the, the full connection just absolutely just, uh, just, just fascinates me there. I have to ask one thing though. You talked about your, your beef business and on Facebook, what is the furthest customer that you have? Um, I've had people drive, um, up to eight, 10 hours, um, which is crazy to me. I don't do any shipping. Everything is local pickup at the butcher or at the farm. Um, so pretty, pretty thankful that I have a customer base that's willing to drive. Um, we sit in a pretty good location in East Central Kansas as well. So that that helps a lot. But um, there's people that are planning, you know, vacations and on the way home, they're picking it up and taking it home. And so it takes a little forethought, little planning, but they say it's worth it every time. Hey, what, what, what not a better way to end a vacation than to, to pack a bunch of beef back home? I mean, that's perfect. It's the vacation that never ends. They get home and fire up the grill. So heck yeah, I, I can't blame them. It sounds like a good plan to me. That is awesome. Well, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about too was just around you know uh, when you think about your operation and just maybe the the transformation of of digital ag within uh, within farming. Uh, I know that you use Climate Field View. How uh, how did you get uh, get connected within Field View and uh, and how did you start using it? Yeah. So like I said, my dad and grandpa were always super progressive and willing to try new things. And um, I actually found another digital platform uh, via Twitter 
And we were, I talked my dad into letting us try it and it, it was a major fail. And I thought, man, my dad is never going to let me try anything new again. Uh, cause we lost data. It was a mess. And, um, I said, Hey, um, there's this company called Fieldview. Um, uh, we plant a lot of channel. And so I said, they're, they're owned through the company that owns channel. I said, let's give them a try and, and see what's going to happen. So we got the iPads and, um, next thing I knew we were, we're running it and the equipment and we had a few hiccups at first, like you do with any technology. I think that's just a part of it, but you got to persevere and know it's going to get better. And, uh, we had people come down, sit in the farm office with us, make sure that we were up and ready to go. And our seedsman stepped in as he was starting to figure it out. We started to figure it out together. And um, so now we're, we're utilizing as many options as we can with it. This year, we got to try the advanced script writing and super excited to see how that turned out in the corn acres. And um, for me, I, I just don't have the memory that my dad and grandpa do. And so it's so nice to have, you know, in the palm of my hand, all that information all the time where, you know, dad and grandpa were pulling note cards out of their pocket all the time to, to figure out which hybrids had put where or they could just recall it from memory. And I, I was not blessed with that gift. So I'm a big fan of being able to have it on my phone at all times because we know that thing basically is connected to us these days. That is that is wonderful. I, what what would you say is your absolute favorite? Like, if you had to pick out one favorite feature, what's your one favorite feature on FieldView? Yeah, so we. That's kind of hard to say. There's there's so many things that I use it for, um, but honestly, just having every field that we whether we're farming it, whether it's a crop share, whether we're custom doing it, just having all of those fields mapped out on a larger map is so handy. I can take screenshots and send them, you know, and, and tell people where they need to be going or where I'm talking about. Um, you know, we, we use it a lot with our hunters and, and different things as well. Um, but I'm also using the satellite imagery um, on the cattle side of things. And we can watch, you know, as that grass deteriorates throughout the year, maybe if we need to rotate them or shift them and force them to another side of the pasture to make sure we're utilizing that grass as well. So I think some people see those products and they're only looking at them, you know, for maybe the grain side of their operation. But for us, we've really tried to figure out how to get the most bang out of our buck. And um, for us, that's making sure we're using it on the crop side and the cattle side. Wow. No, that, uh, that's great. I mean, I think it, it's fun to see how different folks can find different uses for it, right? Uh, and I've seen this throughout technology just, uh, just over the years of, you know, something can be designed very specifically for one, you know, one piece. And all of a sudden you talk to somebody and they're like, well, heck, we're using it for this, you know? And it's like, I never even thought about that. And uh, so it's always fun seeing some of that, uh, that transformation. I would have to say uh, mine, just for the amount of time I probably spend away from our farm, uh, I got to put my plug in there for, uh, for remote view. I probably spy on my dad way more than he realizes. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fun keeping, keeping tabs, uh, especially during planting season. So, yeah, that's, uh, definitely a feature that I need to start utilizing more, but, uh, lately I've been the one in the planter, but, uh, <laughs> maybe that would help my dad find me a little bit more and keep track of me. So, Hey, there you go. Uh, there you go. If you could set my 92 year old grandpa up with a remote view, I'm sure he would love that. So, 
instead of watching TV, you just have you just have the the planner monitor up there running all day, right? Absolutely. So, Jacqueline, I know in episode two you had the ability to uh, to host some kids. How about uh, you, you? You tell us a little bit about uh, that whole experience there. Yeah, so I sit on our local Lyon County uh, Farm Bureau board, and every year our board hosts. Um, local fourth grade kids to see um, a, a day on the farm. And so we have, you know, different agricultural businesses come in and different farmers come in and, and talk about what, what we're the most passionate about. So we have anything from sheep shearing to wool spinning. Um, this year we tried something different. Um, another local farm, Hildebrand Farms, donated a whole bunch of different milk for us. And so kids got to try root beer flavored milk and strawberry milk and, of course, the typical chocolate milk. And um, so it was super fun to see kids just get to experience agriculture. Um, there's so many different jobs, you know, that agriculture entails now. You can be in anything from tech to the actual farmer to the agronomist to you know, a marketer. Um, so there's so many options that we just try to expose these local kids in this rural area to agriculture at a young age. And so hopefully that they can get excited about it and see the opportunities that are there. So definitely event that's been going on for, I feel like decades now, and it's a huge hit every year. And those kids are still talking about it years afterwards. And some of them are lucky enough to get to come back if they have a, a younger sibling. And so it's always fun to watch them come back with a, a different perspective and a different, you know, thought process of how the world works and, and that we're actually a part of it as agriculture. Well, I, I would just have to say thank you. I think uh, anytime that uh, folks are taking time out of their day to involve the youth and, uh, and especially just getting that knowledge and education around all the depths of agriculture. And uh, because uh, to your point, Agriculture touches a lot of things, uh, not not just even just the food on your plate, right? Uh, it might be the the clothes that we're wearing and and all sorts of different pieces that uh, that end up uh, you know going through uh, through with agriculture. So I think that just sounds wonderful. So well, hey, uh, one of the last things I want to talk to you about here, Jacqueline, is your involvement in a farmer's journey. I know episode two just came out, uh, but uh, how did how did you get involved in this? What does this all entail? I mean, this is a, a really big, uh, really big production. Yeah. So I was actually flying home from the American Farm Bureau Convention when I got the phone call to ask if that was something we would be interested in. And I'm sure, as everybody knows, airpoints are noise, noisy. And I said, I think you got the wrong person and just assumed it was probably another scam call asking me to extend my warranty on something. But um, they kind of explained that they just kind of wanted to follow a farmer throughout the year and um, that they thought we'd be a really good candidate for that. And so, um, like anything else, I kind of just talked my family into to doing something else that I wanted to try out and do. And so, um, I really feel that we, and I'm biased, but we live in one of the most beautiful parts of the country in the Flint Hills. We have the best grasslands, um, mixed in with, you know, river bottoms and hilltops that, that cut through all of our properties. And I thought, why would we not want to show the world where we live and what we do? And um, so that's kind of how we got involved and ended up saying yes to it. 
That is that is wonderful. Well, first off, I would just say uh, it is beautiful. So uh, the where your 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 guys's location is absolutely wonderful. It is like the uh, the epitome of the American dream, right? When you look at the landscape over there. Uh, so uh, so thank you for doing that, and thank you for sharing your story there. Yeah, absolutely. Always uh, glad to have the opportunity to do that. All right, Jacqueline, I got to ask for all the listeners out there, this is like the hot debate that, that, that we've talked about or, you know, to, to, to many of our guests, auger wagon, grain cart, grain buggy. What, what's the, what's the verdict here? I don't know what any of those are, but the grain cart. So hundred percent team grain cart here. <laughs> team. Okay. You know, I've been on team auger wagon since the beginning. And I, I think my, my group of people are getting really small now. So what do you do? Just pull an auger around with a bucket. I mean, there, there's no way that's what it's called. Man. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll chalk up another loss here. <laughs> So Jacqueline, I'm sure that there's a lot of listeners out here that would like to follow along with your with your story and all the different pieces that uh, that you're working in here. Where uh, where can they end up uh, following you? At? Yeah, you can follow my uh, business page at Leffler Prime Performance on Facebook, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter on my personal pages at J A X L E F fourteen. Well, Jaglin, I know with all the different pieces that uh, that you have going on right now, uh, sitting on a podcast and talking to me is probably not at the top of that list uh, for uh, for a long time here. So uh, I'd like to just say thank you for taking the time and uh, and sitting down with me here, uh, and uh, look forward to talking with you in the future as well. Absolutely, I'm excited to hop back in the tractor today. So we'll catch you next time in my earbuds. Uh, good luck for the for the rest of the season as well. So thank you. Hey, a big thank you to Jacqueline for joining us here on Around the Farm today. That was a wonderful conversation. And also, thanks to you, the listener. And if you like this episode, be sure to hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, and share it with a few friends along the way. And as always, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View, and you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts at. And until next time, we'll see you around the farm. <laughs>